Welcome to All Things Wolverines, a Wolverine sports podcast for the people, by the people. Enjoy expert analysis, entertaining discussion, and the pessimism of true Michigan fans. Get ready for All Things Wolverines. All right, welcome back to All Things Wolverines. Brandon, cousin Kyle, and Nate here. Let's get right in after the victory against ECU for the actual week one of college football. Let's get into our ATW game recap. What's your one big takeaway, Nate? Well, uh, the recap was essentially Brandon was the closest to the final score as far as like uh, the the end being in the 30s. Um, I do think, you know, we had a touchdown that probably shouldn't have counted, had a touchdown taken away that, or yeah, a touchdown taken away that, you know, shouldn't. Yeah, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Either way, uh, yeah, the games are, it seems, shorter. But, yeah, with a brand-new offense coordinator, I thought Kirk Campbell did a good job. Um, I don't know what else we can expect. It needed to be safe. ECU was annoyingly well-disciplined and well-coached for what they are. I think their defense is actually fairly solid. I believe they'll be a bowl-bound 6-6, six and 7-5 six, seven and seven, seven and five team from the newly rebuilt uh, American Athletic Conference. Um, big takeaway, you know, J.J. looked great defense was so dominant uh we i had zero takeaways really from the defense because it was just so so dominant that you were like yeah i mean we're we're better than them their offensive line must be garbage but also we must be great um outlook over the next few weeks feels grim we'll talk about this a little later uh but that will likely be the most well coached most talented team that we play until a few weeks into conference play um (laughs) Maybe uh, it was a good win. No complaints outside of uh, Peacock holding the game. Um, biggest takeaway from everything is thank God football's back. And uh, also, I'm also glad that we don't play football juggernauts like North Carolina and Duke um, from now on. So that's uh, those are my big takeaways from the weekend in the game against Eastern Carolina. Boom roasted. All right, Cousin Kyle, uh, what's your one big takeaway after uh, our matchup with the ECU Pirates? I won't I won't stand for Nate's disparaging the ACC conference like that, Nate. Duke football is synonymous with success, okay? Right? No, that's not actually it at all. Uh, I'm mistaken. No, that's funny. I think that Nate's right. I, I, I think, you know, going into the game – no Jim Harbaugh, no Sharon Moore. Uh, so Kirk Campbell being the first time play caller, it was relatively vanilla. It was going to be vanilla, probably no matter what. Uh, but in particular with it being the first game, first time play calling, uh, I don't think there's a ton to, to take away from this. I think JJ looks like the best quarterback in the big 10. And I really don't think that's, that's controversial. I know, uh the kid down at Penn State looked good against a pretty bad West Virginia team but uh I think JJ just looks like an NFL quarterback uh he kept his eyes downfield whenever he was scrambling sometimes maybe even over the line of scrimmage uh but you know hey we'll take it and he looked defenders off <clears throat> to get guys open like that last uh that that third touchdown pass to Roman Wilson looks off the defender he starts breaking away, puts it in a place where only Roman Wilson can catch the ball. 
Uh, so I think JJ is is looking great. And the only thing we didn't get to see is him keeping any read options, uh, which is, you know, we expected that, right? That That's exactly what last year looked like. So I think that um, overall it was a, a pretty boring Saturday afternoon, which is nice. I mean, you're excited to, that it's back. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk later about the time and, and how much shorter, not shorter the game actually was, but you know, you, you, there's just not a lot to work with. And so, um, I think Nate's right. I, I hope that, that ECU is a top team in the AAC, uh, because that'll make us, I think, feel a little bit better. Uh, not that any of us should feel bad about, uh, about last Saturday, but yeah, I think that, that it was just a boring tomato can game and i'm okay with that well we've all sat through plenty of michigan football games whether in person or on the television where we are big favorites that things don't really start clicking maybe till the third or fourth quarter or uh we get ourselves in trouble and lose one of those games so uh ecu uh the game started with this ecu lucky 67 yard punt or so that pinned Michigan down to like the one yard line. And then Michigan was stuffed on three plays in a row felt that felt way too Michigan. It felt way too 2007 overrated vibes uh, were present. And then, and then, and then JJ. And I don't care. Like if it's ECU, I don't care who it is, who you're playing against an FCS team. JJ looked good. JJ looked good. His mechanics, accuracy, arm strength, most accurate QB performance for any QB throwing 25 or more passes for Michigan in the history of the school. That's a, that's a great stat. I'll take that every week. Roman Wilson's statement game. Like he's like, I'm willing to be that guy that has three touchdowns. And he should have had four if he didn't get interfered with. I think Exactly. So he was, it was awesome seeing him take strides and continuing the momentum of, a pretty good season last year. Loveland looked good. Blake, besides one play uh, where he, he bounced it outside a little too early near the goal, like kind of in the red zone. Um, besides that one play, Blake looked good. Man, that run where he busted it out, it was like, oh, this is great. Um, and we saw enough enough from him, all that we need to see in a game against ECU. You know, defense was top to bottom solid. Um, and, and then we saw ECU kicking the most moral victory field goal in the history of moral victory field goals as time expires, uh, to get on the board, right. To get on the board and Nate called, I will say Nate did call in the last podcast, a last second safety that would get ECU on the board, but instead it was a, a, uh, three points through, through a field goal. So, uh, top to bottom. Yeah. Like there's not too much to read into. I think there's some things that we'll dissect a little bit here as we move in, but um, fine. With the circumstances, week one, uh, certain players being injured, Sharon uh, Moore, you know, suspended for the game, you know, the self-imposed suspension, Jim Harbaugh, all things considered, we've seen a lot weirder things on a week one in Ann Arbor. So very pleased with that. Well, well now, now that that sounds all rosy, let's, let's break it apart a little bit. What was the, pessimistic Michigan moment or moments coming out of the game. Nate, get us in. Yeah, I mean, as we've said, this game, these, yeah, the slate's just awful the first few games, so it's going to be slim pickings 
However, I think moving into what we're all looking for, which is when the schedule picks up and we do play tough games, we play NFL talented teams, which we will. Um, I'm concerned about making game. I think it's officially on notice for that. Uh, James Turner kicked the heck out of one ball. Um, but Jake Moody's not walking through that door. We know that. But I also don't think he's Quinn Nordine. I think he's somewhere in between that. So that's fine. But we're clearly going to have to have a much better play calling design in the red zone. We're going to have to score a lot more touchdowns than we did field goals that we settled on for last year. And I think we just relied on that so well because Money Moody was Money Moody. Um, the kid seems fine, but missing an extra point as badly as he did and shanking a 50-yarder after nailing a 50-yarder as badly as he did proves to me that there's some mental capacity there that isn't um, <laughs> the locked-in focus that you hope for in a specialist. So um, I feel comfortable and confident about the rest of Special teams, I think returning was also an issue with Thaw, but I I think they'll figure that out. I think then the first three games are going to be trial runs for people. As we saw, there's a heavy rotation. I think they're going to alternate tackles, defensive ends, people like that to try and get the best combo. There's some truth to that. But within a specialist, you don't really have that depth um, and luxury to figure out who's there. So what we have is what we have at this point. And so with kicking, it's the only concern that I have, but it – could be a big concern depending on how our red zone offense efficient as efficient this year. So I don't know, man, we'll see, but that's my, that's my big pessimism is uh, we don't have Jack Moody. And I think we saw what we have, which is inconsistency. And that's just going to be the case this year. Cousin Kyle, what was your pessimistic moment of the game against the ECU pirates? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I probably am the most pessimistic. Uh, in general, and I just I just don't even feel any pessimism. I think probably the opening drive uh, was was annoying. Like I definitely would have preferred Michigan go down and score a touchdown. Um, I thought the blocking wasn't there. Were some blocking mistakes on the offensive line, and it's very obvious that ECU was just selling out against the run. But other than that, I, I don't think. I don't think there was much uh, to to be pessimistic about. Yeah. Well, that's where I will bring up the caboose here and uh, bring the pessimism because I got a little more of it than I think either of you two do um, this this week. You know, you def you guys can definitely care the lion's share at times, but uh, I'm going to bring it today. Um, I was very disappointed to not see another wide receiver or tight end. Besides, you know, Roman Wilson, Colston Loveland really make any plays. Um, it was actually pretty disappointing where you have, I mean, JJ dropped back to pass more than more than 25 times. And um, the only thing that we saw is Moore had two catches. Bredesen had one catch and Clemens had one catch. Blake had a couple of catches. But we didn't really see a wide receiver or tight end make any plays. And you think if they're going to this, this is kind of a, the sort of game that you want to. I understand we're not emptying the playbook week one, but get out, be a dude. You're playing some basic stuff and get open. Right. And so I felt like, you know, that was Cornelius Johnson, you know, was, was there, but like, where are the, where's receiver number three, four or five, where's tight end number two, you know, what didn't see it. Um, 
Donovan Edwards, if you go back and look in the first half, legitimately could only get one to two yards on every carry. He didn't start. Now he started breaking things open in the second half as our offensive line wears him down. But it's a little concerning to me. Uh, you, when we're playing a little bit better defense, we can't always just be waiting till the third and fourth quarter to, to trust that our line is going to wear them down. The, the game can sometimes get time of possession to the other team or whatever. So just a little concerning his performance in the first half. Uh, special teams, Jay Harbaugh, get focused. I know you've got divided responsibilities now, but his influence on special teams previously, I think he's still like assistant special teams coach or whatever. Um, The team, not just Jay, we need to get focused on special teams. I thought it was a nightmare. Uh, Thaw looked nowhere close to being able, like we need to thaw out Thaw and get him on the sidelines, freeze him out because I'm sorry, kid, you you didn't have it. Uh, you weren't catching the ball. You're putting us in bad positions. You look like you were going to get smoked on every play. Uh, Tommy, Tommy on kickoff and punts looks solid, solid. Nice 45-ish average on punts. Turner, I will push back a little bit. Turner missed a 50-plus yarder, made, missed a 52-yarder, made a 50-yarder. Um, so, you know, missing a 52-yarder doesn't matter, right? Like, that's fine. But missing the extra point to Nate's point, that is just garbage, right? That is just garbage. We have not done that in a long time. So I thought our special teams were a disaster. Um, and it's not like ECU was throwing any crazy wrinkles at us or known for their special teams. So I thought that was disappointing. Um, I think there's a lot to improve on. Um, like I said, I know we're not emptying the playbook, but I think when we line up in like a base offense, that our big guys should be able to move their big guys and Donovan Edwards should get more than one to two yards in the first half of the game. So with that being said, let's get into the overanalyze kind of breaking down uh, different things that we were seeing in the game, the game behind the game, obviously week one, some things that we're not going to see the playbook emptied. You know, we've got different coaches in there. Nate, what are you overanalyzing from this, uh, this game against the pirates? Well, thanks, Brandon. You did. You did. You brought the Tabasco uh, on those spicy, uh, pessimistic takes. I will alleviate you a little bit. Tyler Morris and O'Leary both hobbled. And uh, a f- true freshman, Freddie Moore, got a few third-down catches as a true freshman. So I think there's a there's a, a bright future there for that young man. So be excited about that. Um, wanted to encourage you a bit here on the pod. Uh, what I'll say, I'm not really, again, like we've said, this game, for me, there's not a whole lot to take away from it. What I do want to spend some time on is we didn't spend this last week after Harbaugh's presser. Um, he talked a lot about player revenue sharing, um, which I was thinking about that all weekend as you're watching these games be advertised. I mean, after JJ's performance, guys, he's going to be adver- advertised, if not more so, than Blake Corum for all the Michigan games. I mean, he broke some records, you know, the the QBR for Michigan all time, which is bananas. So, as you watch these games, and we all noticed an increase, unfortunately, of commercials. Um, so many. So many more than there were last year. And there are many last year. And I regret my hope for the clock to run after first downs because I had somehow bought uh, that the games are going to be like NFL, three hours long. And they're not going to be. In fact, college football controls the narrative, meaning they buy more commercial ad space so instead of being a three-hour game like the nfl it's still three and a half hours long so what i'm saying here is essentially if we're doing this 
and we're all picking on the NCAA, right? We did that last week. We're going to continue to do that until it's separated college football. Sean McDonough even got on the call because North Carolina had a game. They had a kid who transferred twice. Um, his team canceled uh, football for 2020. He went to Kent State. His entire coaching staff got fired. He transfers again. He wasn't informed until the day before the game that he was not going to be eligible to play for North Carolina. Sean McDonough appropriately calls out the NCAA for being ridiculous, which we all know. What I would like to see happen is I would like one of the paid-for play callers, commentators, whoever is on the call, to say, hey, speaking of ad breaks, wouldn't it be great if we pocketed some of the money that we're advertising for these players that they get a percentage of, since you all are, are suffering miserably for three minutes to watch the same stupid insurance ads that these billion-dollar companies, trillion-dollar companies, um, maybe we should put it back to these kids that are having to deal with some of these stupid rule regulations. So, yes, the low-hanging fruit, it's like political humor. Picking on politics is super easy, but be creative. Picking on the NCAA is very easy, but be creative. You're making tons of money selling the names of these kids who are not getting any percentage of this. So let's talk about what Harbaugh was saying and stop playing games and say, yes, we're watching this. These numbers are breaking records, but it's because of the names. We're not here to watch Mike Norvell coach Florida state. We're not here to watch Mac Brown. Just, I don't even know what Mac's doing anymore. Recruiting kids playing North Carolina, even Jim Harbaugh. We love King James Harbaugh. We're not here to watch Jim Harbaugh. We're not going to see him the first three games anyway. We're here to watch JJ. We're here to watch Rod Moore. We're here to watch Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, Zach Zinter, Chris Jenkins, a lot of players. Let's get them a stipend, a percentage of this, because it's it's time. It's past time. We've moved in this space, and they're the ones that control it, quite frankly. So until they actually open up their mouth, um, nothing's going to happen. So it's going to take someone like a Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, to maybe acknowledge um, that movement. So that's my over analysis. I'm off my soapbox, but that's my opinion after week one. Very good. Very good. Uh, overanalyze cousin Kyle get us in. Uh, what are you overanalyzing after this week one of, of college football? I think in, in relations to what Nate just talked about is the simple fact that um, the, the running clock with with you know all the same advertising time and then how miserable that is uh is really going to be detrimental to Michigan. Uh so Tony Gerdman who was actually a uh, an Ohio State blogger had posted this weekend that Michigan had nine total possessions against ECU. And last year in their tomato can non-conference schedule they had 7 8 and 8 possessions in the first half of those games. So I think one of the reasons why Michigan only scores 30 points, um, 30, they should have scored 37. But the reason that, that that is such a low number is because we had, you know, probably at least six, seven less possessions uh, throughout this entire game. And so I think Michigan has to keep that in mind going forward because uh, less Michigan having less possessions when they play weaker teams is better for the weaker teams, right? Like, you especially you think about last year and how many frustrating games we had where we dominated in the first half, but the score was like 13 to 10, you know, or like we're losing to Penn State after I guess they they came out and scored in their first possession. But there's no Penn State had no business being in that game in the first place. 
right? But Michigan allowed them to stay in that game because we didn't capitalize enough. And so that has to really be an, a point of emphasis for the coaches, whether that is hurrying up a little bit more, you know, making sure that you're getting to the line, <clears throat> hiking the ball, you're not wasting a second, uh, or whether that is, um, I, I, you know, utilizing the pass more uh, so that, again, the clock isn't just constantly running. But either way, Michigan has to save possessions. And hurry-up teams like, you know, Oregon uh, that, that are super up-tempo probably aren't going to suffer as much. But when we are playing weaker opponents, the less possessions we have, the the better that is for those teams. And so we have to to really emphasize that and capitalize on that. When it comes to um, the overanalyze for me, I'm going to move it back onto the on-field play a little bit because I think the you guys covered really well what's going on in college football, how that impacted our game, but also games across. I, I really like uh, our defense. I like how they look. I like our depth. I like the backups are getting reps early in the season. You know, I, it was a bummer that we had a couple guys dinged up. Um, I love the pressure. Obviously no sacks was kind of a bummer, but Garcia was getting rid of it so quickly. Like he knew it was coming. It was like, he had been practicing. He's like, you have two and a half seconds, get rid of the ball. Um, Kenneth Grant, monster. PFF rated his game at 85.5, highest of any Michigan defender, and only second behind JJ on the team for total, you know, PFF rating. Keon Saab, 78.5 on PFF. Uh, had no idea what to expect from him. He was so solid. Part of that was because of good corner play, which I'll get to in a little bit. But I was just, uh, as I looked at it, the stats weren't crazy. We weren't forcing all kinds of turnovers, weren't all kinds of TFLs or sacks. But um, the depth, knowing what I, you know, what we knew about some of the people who weren't playing in that game or were playing a little dinged up and it allowed other guys to get reps, seeing, you know, housemen and people like that come in and like be, be ready to go was really good. So I'm very, I feel a lot better about this defense than I even thought I would. And watching them fly around was actually very, very fun um, because I felt like ECU had definitely had some dudes out there. They had some pretty good athletes out there and we made them look very pedestrian, which was, which was great. So I hope they have a great year. I hope ECU, you know, wins the rest of their games. That'd be great. Uh, make us look great. So let's get, it's that time. It's all, it's the ATW awards. Let's get to all things Wolverines awards for this previous week nate what's your atw award going to and for this week uh great great contribution there from both of you uh kyle first of all when you said that about less offensive possessions all i could think about was brian ference at iowa and how they have to score 25 points with less possessions so i'm just dying <laughs> hey. laughing they only scored 24 on Saturday against, I oh think, the weakest team they'll see all year, which it's is just, just amazing. And Cade, I'm laughing so hard. I think a lot of Iowa fans got excited because Cade threw for like 170 yards, which <laughs> I don't know that they've seen that in a decade. So, you know, his QB rating, total QBR was like 38, so it still wasn't great. But, um, man, Eric All had a touchdown, so good for them. Good for them. It just... But the but the, to, the Brian I, the Brian Ferentz offense continues. 
dude with less possessions that guy had to just be so mad like oh man i just think it's great 25 points a game it's not gonna happen uh brandon great points uh that leads very well into my uh atw award for player of the game um i'm glad you saw the pff grades because i looked yesterday i didn't see those so good to hear about kenny grant because that actually is my person uh, of the game i feel like my gosh he is ahead of schedule um some people are i think kyle has talked about this some kids just have an unfair advantage there's genetics and there's nothing you can do about it right there's some kids that are just like bigger and faster naturally and they might try half as hard as you do and they'll still be better than you no matter what you do kenny grant is one of those sizable humans and he happens to be on michigan and uh my goodness you guys graham jenkins and grant i kid you not i think i saw them each get doubled as much as ECU could try. And then every time that Kenny Grant got single blocked, he was in the backfield on the gut of the quarterback. And if he continues to develop like this, we have him guaranteed for next year. That's he's like a terrifying. True, he's a true sophomore, right? He's a true sophomore from Maryville High School. Ohio State got on him really late. That's actually the school he wanted to go to, according to rumors. And so because they sat on it, because he wasn't a five-star, um we got uh, a giant so anyway he's our giant and uh i guess people will be facing the giants so uh sorry to quote a really terrible movie um i'm just very excited about his development i think the interior defensive front is just going to be collectively terrifying for the rest of interior offensive lines throughout the year and that's going to open up incredible lanes for our linebackers uh, the defensive ends are going to get single covered. Running backs are going to have to go in the middle to help block the guards and centers. Um, so, yeah, I'm just – I can't believe that Kenny's where he's at. But we have three great defensive tackles, and I can't tell you the last time we've had three great defensive tackles. But I'm qualifying that now. I don't care how bad ECU is. If you dominate a Division One player like you do, that speaks volumes about your development. He wasn't doing this at all last year. The fact that he's doing it. And he was getting pressure and hitting the quarterback is a lot of work. So I'm very excited to see that move forward. I love it. I love your excitement about Kenny Grant. And like you said, playing that defensive tackle position, I think it can often go overlooked and is underrated on the impact it can have on the collective defense and the pressure and the containing the run game and all that stuff. So very excited to see Kenny Grant doing wonderful things as a, as a sophomore. Uh, cousin Kyle, how about you? ATW award for the week. So in this segment, we talk about the big mistake of the week. And to be honest, Nate, uh, kind of stole a lot of what I was going to talk about, which is great. Uh, which is just the big mistake of the week is, is the clock change, right? It's, it's obviously just a cash grab, uh, commercials have stayed the same or, uh, even increased, there is somebody on the, if you follow the Reddit college football uh, Twitter handle, uh, somebody had posted on there that uh, they had crunched the numbers for, um, oh, what game was it? It was uh, one of the, it was the FSU uh, LSU game. And that uh, basically there, again, the, the, there was no cut in time as far as the length of the game is concerned. There was just an increase in advertising. So uh, Chip Kelly at, at, at halftime when he was going into halftime, even roasted 
uh, ESPN and literally said, you know, hope you guys are making a lot of money off these ads before you ran back. So, yeah, we don't need to rehash it. Uh, Nate, Nate talked a lot about it as well. Uh, it's just amazing to me that the uh, Premier League or even MLS, like soccer, they go 45 minutes, no commercials. And that somehow makes a lot of money, right? Those, those uh, are, I mean, <laughs> it makes a lot of money. So how is it that we can't figure this out? Uh, you know, I get that you maybe need a commercial break every now and then, and then at the quarters, that's great, but you don't need it what it is. And, uh, that's the big mistake. The, uh, HEW award for me this week, um, first, um, Minter and Campbell for letting JJ cook out of a base kind of simple offense. So to come in. I know that it's like, oh, it's easy, but it's still like, this is real football that matters. And these guys have not really played those roles before at Michigan. There's a lot of uh, prestige uh, that comes with that opportunity. Um, I thought I thought they did a good job. Secondarily, uh, Mikey. Mikey brings the swag. Mikey was ready to go. Great coverage, which allowed... Keon Saab and players like that to be able to uh, show up. Um, also uh, had the pick, which was great. We did have a second pick in the game that definitely should have counted. That got totally uh, stripped away, which was, which was a bummer. But, um, and then Mikey was also third highest with the P PFF score on our defense. So I mean, he had a good top to bottom performance. So I'm, I'm giving it to Mikey. I'm giving it to Mikey Sandstill um former it's a it's a crazy thing to think that that man was a wide receiver he is so good back there in the secondary i'm excited uh what what he's going to continue to bring and for him just to get you know the turnover buffs going early is uh i think exciting and it's awesome when you see a leader like that on the team have a standout performance all right now we're in for preview and predictions we are on to unlv the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, running Rebels are coming to the big house. Uh, Nate, preview and predictions for this this week uh, game against uh, UNLV. Yes, very excited for the uh, the Las Vegas, Nevada running Rebels powerhouse football program. Uh, I think they're averaging 15,000 people at their home stadium where the Raiders play, so lot of fans that they have uh first year head coach barry odom was at missouri for four years you don't remember him because it was very forgetful uh, his tenure there however i do think he's a competent coach um they have a unfortunately very athletic large quarterback uh six five two twenty five mobile um got hurt last year they were four and one before he got hurt so there is something to be considered there I'm excited about it because that's going to actually test our defense. Um, I felt like last week Garcia was huge, but the kid did not move. Um, this guy's huge and can move. Um, they run a triple option hybrid offense. It's called the go-go offense. Um, so as uh, Harbaugh declared, they can't stop our defense between the offense and defense. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think preparing for these teams, it's, it, I mean, mid-majors should be running gadget offenses, right? If you're going to compete, don't run straight forward. Don't do the normal stuff that uh, other teams play because they have better athletes than you do. 
Um, I will also say UNLV has gotten a considerable amount of people in the transfer portal. Um, you guys might talk about this, but Michigan State, uh, Ricky White uh, transferred there as the receiver. I don't think they're going to be nearly as big, fast, and disciplined as ECU was. It'll be really good to have Sharon Moore back. Um, but as I qualified last year, or last week for ECU, it's like a, a child coming to scare you uh, in the middle of the night. UNLV is uh, like getting four voicemails on your phone for over the last 10 minutes from a relative. You're initially concerned, then you just find out they're calling to see what number the Geek Squad is at Best Buy. So it'll be annoying, um, but I think we eventually will get there. Uh, they're, they're painful points. I mean, they are miserably terrible on the offensive front, so we should see a lot more consuming of human beings up front on our defense. I think Hausman and Colson are going to have 15 tackles if they get the opportunity to. Uh, I also think their defensive backfield's not very solid at all, so I think um, to Brandon's point about not seeing extra guys, I, I'm, I'm hopeful to see more this week. So I think those two units will dominate the other side. So look for Michigan's receivers and defensive front to take over. I'm predicting 40 to 10, go blue. 45 to 10. You heard it right there. Uh, Cousin Kyle, what's your preview Preview and predictions as Michigan Wolverines host the UNLV Runner Rebels? Yeah, I would I would think that um, UNLV will probably try to stick to that uh, OSU, TCU, ECU script of just completely loading the box and trying to stop the run and forcing Michigan to beat them through the air, mainly because, you know, what other option did they have? You know, just let Corum and Edwards run for 300 yards combined. So I think that's what we'll see. I'm interested in seeing a line improvement uh, on the offensive line this week. See uh, who's out there, who who starts at tackles, uh, who's getting most of the playing time. Uh, is is the running the run blocking a little bit better this week? Um, you know, some new faces out there in general means you know guys are still getting used to each other, right? Especially on that line. And so how are they gelling? How are the receivers gelling? Yeah, as Brandon kind of mentioned earlier, there's some backup receivers that are going to get some more playing time and get chances to to improve and shine out there. Um, you know, so who uh, who's coming back uh, from last week being hurt, right? Will we get Peyton O'Leary back? Uh, will uh, some of these other guys, will Rod Moore be back there? Uh, will, will Will Johnson be back there? I think UNLV is worse than ECU. Uh, but probably better than Bowling Green. So it's kind of like a, a weekly descent <laughs> that we're going down as far as our non-conference is concerned. Uh, so that'll be, you know, I guess something to look out for. The line currently, uh, at least when I checked it yesterday, was was 36 points in Michigan's favor. If I was an editing man, uh, which I'm not, but if, if you are so inclined to doing that, uh, I would probably not take the points. Uh, I would I would expect that, that um, UNLV will cover uh, just again, kind of the things we talked about earlier with the time and, and all that. So, uh, not enough possessions to build that big of a lead. I think the score ends up being 34 to seven. All right. And, uh, I, I like that. I like that push for seeing what our trenches can, you know, guys in the trenches are doing opening holes, pass protection, all that improvement. You know, UNLV, Nate, you, you made a reference that they play this go-go offense. And our defense is going to squeeze them like my children eat the go-go squeeze applesauces. We are going to squeeze. We're going to put the go-go squeeze on the go-go offense. And uh, they run this option 
like you said, so I think our linebackers are going to have a lot of opportunities for tackles. I think there's going to be a lot of TFL opportunities, some some plays, uh, blowing some things up. I, I do think they'll get their, you know, like you said, their quarterback is he's he's a great athlete and showed some showed some things uh, in this last week. He had like a 20 yard touchdown run, dual threat. Uh, UNLV v ran the ball well last week, um, about 280 yards on the ground. Granted, it was against FCS uh, powerhouse Bryant. Um, but here's the other things. You know, the Rebels scored 44 points in that week. So that just gives them, I'm sure, some confidence. Um, but the running Rebels allowed four and a half yards per rushing attempt to FCS Bryant. And Bryant had 400 total yards of offense against UNLV. So Michigan, 36-point favorites, head coach for a half. You know, this is Mike Hart, Jay Harbaugh week, right? Which means I think we'll run the ball a lot. Um, I think those guys, you know, Harbaugh's been, Jay Harbaugh's been in the running back room. Obviously, Mike Hart, I I think they're going to pound the rock a little bit. I think they're going to get Corum and Edwards a lot of touches. I think Edwards gets his groove back early. You know, we saw it coming on in the second half. Um, I think there's going to be a couple of nice sacks from the Michigan D and I think Michigan will win uh, 41 to nine, 41 to nine against the the running rebels. So once again, if you are a betting person, I don't think Michigan covers, you know, in that 36 point favorite situation, but I do think Michigan wins very convincingly. And uh, yeah, let's keep everybody healthy. Let's get the backups in and uh, let's see some nice yardage to build a Heisman campaign for either uh quorum or jj um and uh and and let's just keep this thing rolling so the good thing is is football is back football is all the way back it's happening and uh can't wait to see the boys in blue take the field in ann arbor once again what a beautiful sight beautiful sight all right well that's all we have for you this week on all things wolverines we will be with you next week to recap the game against UNLV and to preview things against Bowling Green State University uh, coming up the following week. So thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on All Things Wolverines.